of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fella in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Whatever happened to Cork greatness? Football hurling, it is really just not happening for them right now. Back-to-back defeats to Limerick and Clare to start the Munster Hurling Championship. So it looks like their wait for an All-Ireland hurling title will enter an 18th season. While on the football side, it is a decade since Cork last won a Munster title and just won All-Ireland in the last 30 years. And I don't think anyone's holding out much hope against Kerry at Porky Rin this weekend. To talk about what has been going wrong both with the current setup and also in recent times that have left Cork in this state. I'm joined in studio by former Cork Camogie All-Ireland winner, Sarah O'Donovan. Hi, Hi and Sarah. And Sunday Times journalist and Cork man, Mick Foley is on the line. Evening, Mick. Hey, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm all right. So there's probably a couple of different conversations. There's the current Cork hurling team and despite being All-Ireland finalists last year, just how far away they still are from finally getting back and winning Liam McCarthy. And also what's gone on over the last decade that has left them maybe so far off Limerick at this stage. Sarah, uh, you were down watching Cork against Clare and uh, that almost provoked this piece because I think you were a bit shocked by what you saw from Cork. I was and I suppose I can't discount how good Clare were and I will say that first. I don't think you'll have seen that from the clips that were played later in the week. Clare made Cork look so ordinary and unsure and certainly didn't make them look like the All-Ireland finalists that were there last year. If, if anything, Clare looked like the team that could have troubled Limerick last year. They were so organised, they were so structured. I, I was saying to you earlier, you know, two men go into a rock, come out with the ball and then there's a third guy waiting to pop the ball over the bar. That epitomised their first half. Cork were all at seas at sixes and sevens, couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, Mick, you had been talking ahead of the game about a, a leadership crisis, I think on and off the pitch for Cork and it, it seemed to come to fruition over those first two matches it doesn't seem they learned any lessons from the All-Ireland defeat last year Well it's yeah well I mean look it's it's difficult I mean we, when you think of I mean when Cork played Clare last year in the qualifiers for example right that was a real that was a real sliding doors game for the championship you know um, it was a game if Clare had won that match and Tony Kelly had a chance in the last second to score a goal and, you know, all things being equal, he would have scored it. But, you know, credit the keeper for making a great save. Cork win. They go on to play Dublin. They beat Dublin in All-Ireland quarterfinal. And they beat Kilkenny to make the All-Ireland final last year. That could easily have been clear. Easily have been clear. So, first off, you know, there is there's not a whole lot between Clare and Cork. But then when you look at the gap that has developed um, in the last, you know, when you look at the game the last day, um, yeah, I think look, I think generally speaking, you know, I was at the Limerick match again, you know, they had a great start. Um, they clearly had a game plan that they wanted to follow. As we know, it's a game plan that's on a knife edge. If it goes well, it's really it goes really well. But if it doesn't go well, it it, it you know, it's a struggle. And the the issue that I would I would raise around leadership is that when things don't go well, Cork seem to fall back into their shell. It seems to be a very fragile group. Uh it seems to be a group that, while I would say they have faith in what they're doing, when it goes wrong, there does seem to be a deficit in terms of, well, what do we do now? Um, physically, I think there's, I mean, I, I know for a fact that the guys, after after they played uh, Limerick last year in the All-Ireland Final, 
and look, they have obviously the players have met Limerick numerous times in the last couple of years now, but it seems to be a continuing source of wonder to them, the physical difference between Limerick and Cork. And, you know, that's an issue for Cork hurling for quite a while now. And it was it's it's a it's a recurring issue when they don't play Limerick as well. So, you know, there's an awful lot of stuff there that it's not going to get solved in in a match or in a couple of weeks between games, you know. Um, it's it's a kind of systemic thing that's going on. The physical side seems almost inexcusable, considering you just have to look at those Limerick players side by side with the Cork players and how much stronger and they look than their Cork counterparts. Is part of the issue that Cork have been relatively successful at under-20 level in recent years and that doesn't always translate easily in terms of how players develop physically, that they're looking at the skill set that's required to win an under-20 title and thinking that's the same skill set and same physicality that's required to win an All-Ireland, where they're probably a million miles apart. I agree. I think, yeah. Sorry, Sarah. Uh, my, my understanding of it is that they've picked aesthetically the same type of player over and over and over and have, have kind of bar a couple of players the likes of Shane Barrett maybe or Damien Cahillan who'd, who'd be considered bigger or more physical we've a kind of a prototype of a player and we've got 25 of them and mm. we haven't and, and actually I know that the Dublin um, minor footballers the, the same issue was there and that they had developed the same type of player and then came up against uh, I suppose different kind of players and didn't know how to adapt and, and I think coaches have kind of gone into the mould of of picking a prototype, having 25 of them and not necessarily looking at bigger, more physical players across different age groups and looking at lads who don't necessarily have the skill set or the hurling, but could win a high ball or, or you know, would be physical enough to stand next to uh, a man, you know, is essentially what Caro Tegarty is, you know. Mm. Like you, you have to look at players where, where you want them to go. And I agree. I think they, they've, they've gone for a prototype and they haven't deviated from it. And in terms of the physical side, Mick, can you, like if you, again, comparing them to Limerick, which is the, the obvious comparison we should be making if they want to get to that level, like, do Limerick pick a prototype and then, through strength and conditioning, develop them into whatever type of player they need them to be? I think Limerick have benefited, like, from having, this particular generation have benefited from having a really, really good structure going back from when they were, you know, teenagers, young, young fellas, like, uh, and they've also had good school systems and so on and so forth. Now, Cork have elements of that as well. So, you know, it's, I think, and also, to be fair, there is a freakish element about Limerick in the sense that this is the greatest Limerick team of all time, right? And, and they, are, they, have, they have happened upon a handful of players that are freakishly brilliant hurlers and also freakishly physically strong. And they have built on that raw material. So to be fair, and I mean, this is the thing as well with Cork, and I'm not making excuses for them, but uh, like, you know, there was a little bit of a, a bit of a kerfuffle about Cork, uh, not, you know, the all-star situation last year with Cork. And, you know, they probably, they probably didn't benefit from playing Limerick so often last year, you know, and to start off again then against Limerick this time around, um, on one level, it was a good yardstick to see where they were at compared to last year. But on another level, if it went wrong like it did, it really throws them back. But I do think there's one more issue to that physicality aspect, and it's connected to another issue around Cork, which would be work rate. I would be fairly confident in saying that there are a number of players on that panel that just are not putting it in physically. They're not doing the work. And that's not to say, you know, you know, they should be 
pilloried for that. They've, they've seemed to have made a choice that they're just not going to put it in. And Mick, when you say that, because look, that in a way is as big a criticism, as big an accusation you can make around any player. When you say the work rate, do you feel that's in the off-season, in training sessions, or do you feel it's just when they get on the pitch? Well, I know that there, I know that there are a couple of players that they have to work extremely hard on to get them to do the physical work, the, like basically the gym stuff, mm. you know? I mean, you, all you have to do is, you know, take off your top, take off your top, you know? And let's have, you know, stand them up beside a Limerick guy and you'll see, you know? Um, and I mean, unfortunately, it's it, there are a couple like that that just have not put in the work. And is that is that not a failure of coaching in that if there's players like that, why are they in the squad? I think you can put together all the structures in the world. You can put the best coaches in there in the world. If a player has decided that he's going to do so much, but not everything, what are you going to do? And there's a lot of guys, I mean, and this is, you know, you can you, you can play around with it all you want, but there was a lot of talk within Cork and beyond Cork that it was a number of guys playing for their, their careers in the last couple of matches, and you see the outcome. So there is clearly an issue there around... Uh, the I suppose the 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 attitude within the squad, within the that's what I'm talking about leadership. The leadership within the playing group, and then the ability of the management to connect with the players to bring the whole thing together. And again, I mean, you say it's a big critic. It's a criticism. I don't think it's unfair. I mean, one of the things that has been said about you know, over the previous two games is that they're just getting blown out of it, mm. you know? I mean, there's been criticism of them struggling on their puck outs. There's been criticism of not putting the work. Like, work rate is not just a thing this year. I mean, there's been statistical analyses done over the last bunch of years to show, that show, that Cork, of the elite counties playing the Lee McCarthy Championship, are among the teams that are at the, at the lower end of that scale in terms of, I suppose the hook block tackle is kind of gone now, but that sort of, you know, the rook balls, winning rook balls, winning all that dirty stuff that you got to do to get the ball, to play the game that Cork are brilliantly capable of doing. There's no question about their skill levels. When Cork get into a game and when, when they have a spell, they can be devastatingly good. But it's earning the right to get to that stage seems to be the issue consistently with them. I will go back to that point though. That Clare game last year was a sliding doors moment. Getting to the All-Ireland final last year possibly jumped Cork a couple of steps along farther than they they might have been. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's it's also a team that's still finding its way. You look at the the way the team is being put together, guys, you know, there's there's issues in various positions. They're still looking for a full back, a reliable full back. They have a centre back, Kieran Joyce, I think, is the guy, but they haven't nailed that down yet. There are there are issues in putting the team together as well. So the fact that they got to an All-Ireland final last year probably intensifies the glare more on them as well, when actually they're probably a team that are a couple of steps back from that. I don't want to give the players a free pass, Sarah, but like, that's culture. Is that not a culture of a great team that Limerick have, that Dublin had, that Kilkenny had, that is set by management, that if players aren't quite literally pulling their weight, that they shouldn't be involved? Look, I'm going back to Michael's point about looking for a fullback and looking for a centre back and looking for a centre forward. Who's looking? Because I, I, I don't think the current management team should be looking for those players. I don't think those current manage the current management team should be in this position this time next year. I, I think the current management team needs to go. I think they've had long enough with the group. The group hasn't made the changes that were required. They were incredibly passive the last day against Clare and passive in the sense that they watched Clare play and win the game. And my issue is that they don't understand the effort that it takes to make 
to create a performance that entitles you to win a match. Now, Peter Duggan was in Australia for two years mm. and Peter Duggan was parachuted back into that Clare team and Peter Duggan last Sunday understood perfectly the requirements that were required for his team to win that game. So I don't uh, think that the players need more time. I think they need a different different response and a different coach and different direction and if they're not good enough then they have to look somewhere else. So in terms of the, the management team obviously with Kieran Kingston leading it, or leading it uh, Jer Cunningham and Christy O'Connor left the backroom team after 2021 Noel Furlong Paul Mulcahy joined Gary Keegan came in as performance coach Jermaine uh, O'Sullivan is still involved in some way Don O'Grady is also still involved like on the one hand it's it's what you would say county should do but maybe it, it feels quite old fashioned that you have legends of the county involved at various different levels is that the right thing? Like what Sarah's in there about needing new voices, a new management structure. Who are the right people making those decisions? Is there a sense in Cork that actually maybe we need to start looking outside for a bit of expertise, Mick? I think that like after the All Ireland final last year, I think the pressure was on Karen Kingston to shake up the management. Um, you know, I think that the guys he got in. I mean, to be fair, like Noel Forlong has a very good record at underage level. Uh, Pat Mulcahy has a very good coaching record. Like, you know, Keir, like you know, Gary Keegan comes in. I mean, Gary Keegan has been there previously with Cork and would, was considered a terrible loss when he left and obviously has a terrific track record with other teams. So, again, I go back to this thing that I'm not giving the manager a pass here. I'm not giving anybody a pass. I think everybody has, has, has things that they need to do better uh, to try and bring each other close, closer together that the whole thing clicks. Um, but the management made the changes in terms of the, the, the backroom. It hasn't worked. Uh, have the players made the changes? I'm sure some have. I'm not sure others have. Just look, just look, at, the, look, look at the performances. So I would imagine that by the by, uh, you know, whether, whether it's right or wrong and it doesn't really matter, I think, I think it's probably here and this is probably the end of the road for its management anyway, unless they can somehow miraculously win an All-Ireland, which is not going to happen. So I would think, as Sarah said, they've had their time and it just it kind of just hasn't worked out this particular year. They had their shot in the All-Ireland final, but the nature of that defeat was such that change had to occur within the management and change had to be seen on the field. And to be fair, in the league, there were signs that, again, I go back to that work rate thing, that there was bits and pieces looked looked quite promising. But look, the league, the, the Hurley League is, is pretty much a sham, really. Uh, in terms of trying to read anything into it at all at all when you have a proper <laughs> league in the championship now. Um, so, yeah, look, I think th- th- they've probably run out of the road at this stage. And just on the greater infrastructure around core curling, you talk of Limerick developing players at a very young age. What is that infrastructure? And financially, with all that's gone on at Porky Cueve, how has that impacted on centres of excellence, been able to gather the best young players together and get them on strength and conditioning programmes, get them ready for potential senior hurling at a young age. Are, are, are those structures in place in Cork, Mick, as they are in other counties? I think, I mean, there's never a problem producing players in Cork. And I don't think the structures, I mean, look, there's the size of the county and the geographical spread and so on will mean that it's there's always, you know, work to be done. I mean, you know, even with small kids, you're talking about driving an hour, an hour and a half sometimes to play games. Um, so even stuff like that does matter because it kind of drains the energy of the parents and the kids. Uh, but, you know, in the totality of it, there's never going to be a problem uh, in terms of producing players. 
the schools the schools aren't too bad. They've been doing quite well in the Heart of Cup. Uh, if you look at the Rebel Oak, the development squads, they're all doing fine. Um, so like there are there are players there. I suppose if you're looking for something, you're wondering like the style of play Cork have is a kind of an evolution of what's been there for the last 20 years, the kind of stick passing position game. Does that need to evolve? We'll go, we'll go back to what Sarah was saying before about picking players that you can work with to be to do a certain job for you. So when you get to senior level, senior into county, like the difference between senior into county and club is essentially being able to do the basics quicker than you do a club. So like if you can get guys in, maybe they need to be looking at a different type of player to, to augment and to complement the kind of natural skill based players that are coming through. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be cutting them any slack, like in terms of uh, the players just aren't there, etc. There's et plenty of players in Cork. There's plenty of hurling in Cork. There's plenty of support for them. I mean, you know, they lose the All Ireland final the way they did against Limerick, and still you go down to Parky Key for the first game and it's nearly full. You know, so like there's there is there is a latent support ready there for them if they can get a, a, a functioning team together. Um, but at the moment, that's just not happening. They do need everybody at the very top singing off the same hymn sheet as well. And I, I was listening to Mark Landers on Anthony Daly's podcast, who was, you know, very strong on the management team and you know just who is making the decisions. That you know, it's Kieran Kingston is the manager, but he didn't think it was Kieran Kingston's game plan. That it was underneath him that's generating the game plan, and he doesn't think it suits Cork hurling whatsoever. So like, if that's the case internally, that there's a manager, but a manager who's not overseeing the game plan. Like it's hard to see how players can flourish in that sort of scenario. Too much noise. You know, I understood that players were having individual sessions with certain members of the management team, then go out on the pitch. Those members of the management team weren't necessarily staying for the training sessions, you know, impacting their words of wisdom on the players and then leaving, you know. And if I'm on the pitch and I'm looking to do the thing that they have told me to do I'm looking out to the stand to see if they're there to see that I've done it mm. so I, I think there's certainly an element of you know too many cooks spoiling the broth um, I'm like I'm not preaching from the pulpit here I'm managing a team we lost by nine points on Tuesday you know I I understand that management is difficult but I can't go out Saturday morning to my team and not effect change so that we don't have the same result next week and that's what Limerick felt like and that's what Clare felt like Who should be next? If Kieran Kingston does go, I'd love to see Eddie Brennan in. I'd love to see Eddie man to come down and tell Cork how to play hurling. The my issue here is that there's a complacency or a perceived sense that that group of players is the best in Cork, and they go out to championship matches or club games with that opinion, mm. and they don't necessarily look at other players with you know with a, a clear vision. We'll say um, the club championship or the Munster club championship kind of showed up how far back Cork were. Middleton won the county championship, great game against the Glen, enjoyed the match. They then go out to play Kilmallock and Kilmallock make light work of them. Ballygunner, you know, an excellent team. None of the Cork teams would have stood up to that relentless pace that, that Ballygunner had. And it's bearing fruition in the inter-county championship in that the same thing is happening. Cork can't deal with the relentlessness of Watford, the relentlessness of Clare, Limerick. It's not a surprise. Is there any chance, Mick, of an outsider coming in? No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, no, Mick. No, I wouldn't, do you know what? Do you know what I'd say? I, I would say that perhaps as part, part of a management team. I think I, I think certainly. Uh, but I don't know. Well, who knows? I mean, 
I think the, I think the other thing as well is that you know on a wider on a wider kind of scale, you have a county board executive that are dealing with a lot of legacy issues here. Mm. You know, um, and things like outside managers would would not be. I don't think it would be off. The, I don't think it's off the table in the way it might have been ten years ago. But you would like to think that a county like Cork would be able to to generate a coach and manager that would be able to do the job. Uh, and I, but again, I think, I mean, the one thing, and, and this is common to hurling and football, like probably the coaching culture that perhaps exists in other counties hasn't always existed in Cork. It's kind of like, well, we've done things a certain way and that'll work out fine, you know, if we keep, if we keep at it. But maybe that might be changing a little bit. Like when you look at there are, there are more of that team of the naughties kind of getting involved and doing bits and pieces. And there are other, there are other people as well um, that are, that are very well, well got and doing good work and if you pull the you know I, I, I you would like to think that there would be a cork based management or a, sorry a, a, you know a native coach if you want to put it that way um what what but, do you think brian cody's handshake with eddie brennan would be like if he became the cork manager <laughs> i think he just turned to dust <laughs> it would just be dust it would be like one of those you know do you know in those dracula movies when they see the sunlight that would be what would happen to Sheffield after that handshake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to touch on the footballers as well because they're playing Saturday evening. It's at Porky Rain against Kerry. Uh, not in a particularly good place. Finished sixth of eighth in Division Two. Just won two of their matches. Uh, Darrow Shea had plenty to say about the Cork footballers and the stand that they took uh, wanting the game in Porky Rain. He said, did anybody really think they weren't going to field a team? Were they seriously going to wave Kerry through to the Munster final and throw their hat at the hole of 2022? Come on now, apart from anything else, that would take a level of stomach and bottle that they haven't had a lot of in recent history of showing let's be straight about it in the last few years Cork footballers have been a disgrace in the way they performed in the way they've stood up for the great history of Cork football they haven't played for the jersey one win against Kerry in 10 years of football is a terrible return there's no two ways about it seems a little bit over the top Mick uh, considering it's not that long ago since Cork beat Kerry in the Munster Championship and uh, and I think they were dead right to take a stand and say we want to play this match in Porky Rain but is there a nub of a point there? Not really I thought I I thought um, I thought they stood up quite well alright when they beat Kerry in November 2020 Uh, and if my memory serves me right I think I I spotted Dara at that game and I saw a turn of pace from him at the final whistle that I hadn't seen in a long time Um, but what you call it but joking aside like I mean Look, it's the thing about Cork football is always, and you know, there was a there was a, there was a spell Nathan over the years where I used to come on this show every year. It was like Christmas. Come on to explain what's going on with Cork football. Um, I think when people kind of just parachute into a situation and go, "What are Cork at? How come? How come Cork aren't winning all Ireland? And how come they aren't winning more? And how come Kerry keep beating them and stuff?" Like it's like every county. There's context to everything, and there's context as much to what's going on with Cork at the minute uh, as there is any other year. Like, I went I just like I went earlier on, I just had a look because, you know, you hear the drip, drip, drip of injuries and stuff like that. Mm. And I'm just talking about this year in particular now. As you said, they finished sixth in Division 2. My my thinking before Division 2 started was they had three key matches, right? Clare, Offaly and Down. I had no, absolutely no expectation of them winning the other games. But Claire Offaly down with a tree that will keep them up, and that's all they needed. But I just had a look at the injuries, right? So between hamstrings and 
chronic injuries, but stuff that really would have disrupted the development of the team. They've had 20 injuries over the last, you could say, eight or nine months. If you go back, and you could go back to April 2021 when Killian O'Hanlon did his cruise ship, right? Could that be potentially a different issue? Uh, I'm not sure it is, because a lot of them were, like, some of them muscles, some of them are just, like, Ian Maguire breaks his ankle in a challenge match a couple of weeks ago, you know? You also have, you also have nine players, and all of them will be recognisable names, who aren't involved, they've either retired, they've withdrawn, or they were dropped. Uh, you have a manager who's ill, and can't and hasn't been taking a full part uh, with the squad. And you also have the scenario that the same manager and that management team made a policy decision at the start of this year to go with a generation of under 20s from a couple of years ago. So there's a whole, like, and a lot of them got injured, right? And it's possibly, and maybe there is an issue in terms of, well, they're trying to fast track him too quickly. There was an issue in all of their league matches. When they came up against anybody with a bit of physicality, no more than the hurlers, they started getting belted around the place and they weren't able but there's been an awful lot of circumstances that have certainly contributed to Cork being down I think the fact that this they held on in Division 2 is successful as you say there's absolutely no expectation of any kind of a, a victory any kind of a victory a victory uh, at, on Saturday night but like when you look back I mean a couple of years ago just to back to Dara's point is grace and all that like they beat them in 2020 they ran into four points in 2019, and it was a legitimate four points. Um, if you go back to 2015, they drew with them below Killarney, lost a scratchy old match. There's only there, there's been a couple of bad ones. Obviously, last year was historically bad, um, and things are and clearly Cork are in a very weak state. But the amount of guys that they've had missing, the age profile, and all these other take all these other bits and pieces into account, I actually think there could be a bounce back from Cork next year. This has just been a really really difficult year for them. See, that's corkness. That's corkness. That's what I've come to love from Cork. I have no people. idea what you're talking about. You can I have no take, idea what you're talking about. You'll take about. your beating on the pitch, but no way you're going to listen to any Kerry man run you down like that. I don't know. He's, he's entirely entitled to his opinion. I think I think the thing that's upsetting Kerry most, though, is that Cork aren't fulfilling their traditional station of providing them with a game in a large stadium before they go on to other <laughs> large stadiums. I think that's I think that's the major issue there. Uh, luckily, Sarah, the Camogie uh, or the ladies football team will roll into town and save the day again, hopefully. Hopefully. The ladies footballers, though, a lot of um, exits. Mm. Just, it's you, you can't keep going, you know, five, six years, there's bound to be some changes. The Camogie team, Hannah Looney's in New York. She's too far away from my liking. I think Cork will struggle without her this year as well. Okay. I don't think we're going to have those uh, nice days in August that we anticipate. Well, Say something nice and talk some nice things about Cork at some stage over the summer. <laughs> Surely? We'll just talk Roy Keane once again. Save the day. Is that right, Mick? Come you're, to a tough say crowd, you're a tough crowd, that's all I'll say. I'll you, tell give you, it, you never give us any slack like. But, Mick, we have Kinsale. Beautiful part of the world. Ah, come on It'll now. never this, let us down. This isn't some sort of false Ireland advertisement. <laughs> I just hope you're standing beside Darrow O'Shea tomorrow night or on, on Saturday night down in Porky Rin, Mick. Ah, Daryl, you know I'm only messing. Ah, yeah, a couple of those Daryl shit little thumps to the shoulder quiting you down pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'll I try, I try, I try and, uh, I don't know, he, he knows I'm messing. It's all a bit of crack. It's oh, all a bit of crack when it comes down to it, you know? <laughs> it, it is, it is. Uh, until Kerry win by about 15 points. But anyway. Uh, we're used to that. That's even crack. It's not on telly, is it? Uh, I'm, oh, it is. It's on Sky. Oh, same. Oh, yeah. 
After the watershed. Uh, All our Gaelic football and off the balls with AIB. Proud sponsors of the GEA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. And the ultimate insult for Tom. He says Cork have taken over the mantle from Galway as the county that you don't know what team will turn up on any given day. Agree. Which nobody wants to be. Uh, Sarah Donovan, great stuff. Thanks for coming to the studio. Mick, pleasure as always. No problem. No problem. The GAA Football Review on Off the Ball. With AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more.